Yes, sports radio's on. Talking sports with friends, and you know we got it on. From the NFL to the NBA, MLB and college hoops do it all day. College football, we know who's number one. Understand on the phones, you know we get it done. So call in 718-664-9098, and we'll give you more. Oh, sports. Uh, yes, we do. Oh, sports. Hello, hello, and welcome to the show. You're listening to Ray and Tay today, and I'm Ray Tall Rayside. And I'm Tay, Eric Taylor, and we are hyped up on a sports football Friday. Let's just say it. It it is what it is. Give us a call. 718-664-9098. Like always, shoot us your emails. Today at gmail.com. Check out the website, rayandtaytoday.com. Very interactive. Cool eat. Cool interviews with legends, Al Troutwick, Bob Brenly, Paul LaDuca, Charles Davis, Seth Davis, Peter Vesey. We got it all for you. So get involved with us. We're on iTunes, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Ray, we're going to start with the NFL and some Thursday night football real quick. Hate to talk about it. It's sort of definitely the news of the day. The pictures, Deadspin released 44 photos of Greg Hardy, a couple of him being injured. Majority of his ex-girlfriend, Nicole Holder, being injured. I guess who cares in the sense that, no, we always care about the abuse. But the Cowboys, yes, they might not have seen all of these photos. They knew about it. The NFL saw some of the photos. But I don't think it's enough to change the fact that Jerry Jones says this guy is a great defensive player. He already leads us in sacks, and he missed the first four games. Will anything change the Cowboys' mind, Ray, to cut him or keep him? I don't think so. I think unless the public sentiment gets so bad that they have to just cut ties, I think, like you said, Jerry Jones is thinking, this guy's going to help me win football games. The, the, better, the other side of that argument, though, is Cowboys aren't going anywhere this year. Even though that <laughs> NFC East is, is terrible, but the Cowboys probably aren't going to – aren't going to win it, and and they're not going to have a wild card. So I guess at some point Jerry Jones is going to have to decide if he wants Greg Hardy next year. Oh, and they've already talked about extending him. (laughs) What's that? They've already spoken about extending the guy. I know, but so that's that's your question. Because if you don't want him next year, then you can let him go at any point this year and – ride the PR wave of, oh, we didn't know, we're doing the right thing, we're all for, you know, women and, and you know, a la Ray Rice. But if they want to keep him, then that's a different story. Then they're going to have to take some heat and just live with it. I think you said it best, and they will take the heat and just live with it because of the production on the field. And Ray Rice doesn't have a job because of the thought of lack of production or potential of no more production on the field. So it, it's real simple, ladies and gentlemen. It comes down to, you know, what have you done for me lately, Janet Jackson style, or what can you do for me? And Greg Hardy does a lot for that Cowboy defense. So to me, the fact you saw Jerry Jones talk so highly of him after the incident on the sidelines, like, you know, oh, we love his passion. And, you know, meanwhile, he's smacking a clipboard out of the coach's hand for special teams. 
That tells Come you on, all that's you passion. need. That's passion. That's passion. There's your passion, <laughs> man. Bring your that's passion. That's all you need to know. That's all you need to know. So what what you need to know really is the Bengals are eight and zero. They're keeping that alive, and thirty one ten over Johnny. And and I gotta ask you this, Ray, because we saw the game. We you know have our thoughts about Johnny, but really the deeper question is the head coach the GM and farmer and the owner, because at some point you have got to figure out if your number one pick is your quarterback or not. And know that Josh McNown, whether he gets healthy in a week or two or not, he's not taking your franchise anywhere, nor is he going to be there at 36 too much longer. So who's, who's driving this ship? What do you think is going on in Cleveland in terms of actually giving Johnny the time to play, constructing an offense around him to be successful, not just saying, oh, be in the pocket, throw from the quarterback, throw from the pocket. I mean, what's going on, Ray? It's weird. Well, you know what? I actually feel for the Browns because they don't know. It's not like the answer is in front of them. I personally thought that Johnny Menzel could be a serviceable quarterback in the NFL and maybe could even do some things in the NFL. I think the grade on him is still incomplete. But I tell you this, there is no better option in Cleveland. They got rid of Brian Hoyer. They made a conscious decision that he wasn't the answer. And then now they got, a, like you said, a 36-year-old quarterback, a 24-year-old quarterback with some off-the-field issues. So, they, you know, Josh Gordon got taken away from them, ran, you know, uh, without much preparation. So that team is a mess. They they have the beginnings of a good defense, but even that's been a little inconsistent, a little disappointing. Hayden keeps going down, getting hurt. Uh, and our boy Danny Shelton was drafted to stop the run, Ray, and he hasn't stopped anything. <laughs> yeah, so Cleveland's a mess. So the answer is not on the roster. I think they have to make moves, whether it be draft, whether it be trades, but the answer is not there on that current roster. So they need to pull a Kevin Costner and go do some draft day maneuvers next year. I like that movie. I forgot to tell you that I finally watched it. That movie was fun. I'm sorry, ladies and it gentlemen. It was underrated. You know, I feel like because they were in Hollywood, they were held up to some, you know, major Hollywood standards. But in terms of football and just entertainment value, it was I, I, just, I liked it. <laughs> really? <laughs> That's funny. Uh, Ray and Tay, we're definitely into the sports films. We like to talk movies and entertainment on our show, if you don't know. But, um, yeah, look, there's not much to say else about the Browns. When you look at the Bengals, I got to tell you, Tyler Eifert, I'll say this, he is more athletic than Gronk. He's not better. He's not a better blocker. But he is so elusive and hard to guard. They had no answer for him. Him being healthy makes all the difference in the world. Their defense being healthy makes all the difference in the world. And I think, honestly, I don't care about what they've done in the past. This is a whole new Bengals team. And everybody better get ready because the Bengals are coming. And I'm late to jump on that train, but I'm here and I will stand up and say, I have seen the lot. Ray, they are for real, and I think that they're ready for a battle with the Patriots and Broncos. I think they're going to pass the Colts and being in the top three, but they'll be in that final four in the AFC. Best believe it. 
So the only issue there is that you've got three teams in the AFC who look like gangbusters, and only two of them can have home field in that second round. You know what I mean? So it's probably going to be Cincinnati going to New England or New England going to Denver or Denver going to Cincinnati, right? So Two, only two of those three teams are going to have home field in that second round. So that, think about that. The what a matchup in in the uh, in the second round of the playoffs in the AFC. Oh, it's going to be classic. It's, it's really, it's you know, this is going to be. Listen, you can't. No one can remember the last time that we were at the halfway point in the NFL season. And not only do you have four undefeated teams. But then you've got, you know, teams right there like the Packers and the Cardinals with such great records. This is a fascinating season in, in, in that sense. And, you know, moving forward, you know, this week, I think we'll get some more answers with some of these games. Now, obviously, you know, you got teams on buys and you won't know everything. But, look, starting with this first game, let's get right into it and break it down. You've got the Packers at the, at the Carolina Panthers. And I'll start with it, Ray. To me – this is going to be hard for the Panthers to remain undefeated. What we saw Monday night was brilliant and beautiful, but it was winning ugly against a team that gives you a lot of turnovers. I don't think Aaron Rodgers will do that. Maybe between Lacey and Starks, they figure out who's healthy and who wants to go. They get some running game going. But I think Aaron Rodgers puts a pressure on you of scoring offensively that, you know, most teams don't, even though Denver seems to figure them out. The question is, does Carolina have the pass rush? We know they've got Josh Norman, who's, you know, been lights out in the back end in the secondary, a star. I'll take the Packers in this one. Um, I really want Cam to keep stay undefeated because I think he's the, the president of doing more with less. Um, but I, I'll say the Packers, they gut one out. They really do. Uh, I could see it going either way, but I'll say 26-24. The Packers win on the road in Carolina, and it's going to be Randall Cobb. I think it's six receptions, a touchdown, 100 yards. Randall Cobb boogieing all over the field is my fantasy stud, Ray. So, so I believe I that, that Aaron Rodgers is best player in football. And even though Carolina's got a stellar D, you cannot have Aaron Rodgers have two straight bad games. I just just don't think it's possible. And Carolina's a tough place to play, but you know what? Green Bay's a tough place to play, too. So Aaron Rodgers knows what a home field advantage is, and he'll find a way to overcome that. I don't believe that the Carolina Panthers are explosive enough to hang with Green Bay if Green Bay scores more than 25 or so. So I really believe Green Bay, when they play from ahead, they neutralize the Carolina running attack, and they force Cam Newton to do some things that, He's uncomfortable doing, although roll the clock back a couple of weeks against Seattle where he had those two touchdowns. He, you know, he, he certainly did it at least once this year. I just look at this Green Bay team, and I said that they're chomping at the bit to show that they're an elite team. I think they would love to take down an undefeated Carolina team, and I think they do. And I think they do it fairly easily just because Carolina can't score with them. So I think they win 31-21. Okay. And who's your fantasy side? Aaron Rodgers. He spreads it out, four passing touchdowns, and throws for 350. Not mad at that, not mad at that. Listen, it's kind of like a rivalry. 
Miami at Buffalo rivalry week. Look, last time they played, Buffalo took it to them down to South Beach. This one's interesting because my guy is back. My play cousin, Tyrod Taylor, is back. The wide receivers are still hurt for Buffalo. But honestly, I think this is a different Miami team. I think their coach, Dan Campbell, has got them focused and hungry. And I think Lamar Miller, oddly enough, the Buffalo defense, Mario Williams has not played great. They're missing Kyle Williams, and you can run on Buffalo right now. And I think Lamar Miller will. I think Hank will be happy with this. You know, I love Buffalo, but I think Miami goes up to Buffalo, and I think they get a W. I think at the end of the day, Tannehill distributing to those receivers and Miller doing a little bit of the running, and I think maybe they lock down McCoy and Carlos Williams, Miami's defense. And Buffalo is going to be hard to score. So I'm going to take kind of a, an ugly game, maybe some sloppy turnovers, some hitting. Could be cold up in Buffalo. I don't know the weather in upstate New York this week. It was Sunday. But I'll say uh, 23-17, Miami wins. And I'm actually going to say my fantasy studs, Lamar Miller, a touchdown and maybe 20, 30 yards receiving on three receptions and 95 yards rushing. Now, Tyrod Taylor is your play cousin, and you've been touting him for a long time. I'm going to tell you that my man, a couple of years ago, was the best running back in the NFL, and his name is LaShawn McCoy. And he's starting to get shady, and he's starting to put it on. And I think with Mario Williams back – and Carlos Williams back too, so they have the they have the 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 running back tandem. They've got the the line getting a little healthy. Now remember, this Dolphins team has been Jekyll and Hyde. You know they had that great first half where they scored what forty two nothing, but then they then that game ended up being like forty five twenty four. And then the next game they played terribly. So which Bills which Dolphins team is going to show up I don't know but I know that this game is being played in Orchard Park and the best player on the field is healthy and his name is LaShawn McCoy and I think he's going to do some big time damage he's going to run for 120 three touchdowns and I think that the Buffalo Bills defense steps up and I think they win here 24-17 You realize you said that like you wanted to say Orchard Park player. (laughs) (laughs) OPP. Me and my folks are from Orchard Park player. So um, (laughs) this is a great game right here, Ray. And these two teams being good again, along with the Raiders, it sort of takes you back to some of the 70s and, you know, stuff like that. But St. Louis at Minnesota, this is probably – the best running back matchup of the season, you know, with my boy Le'Veon out and and Jamal Charles out. It's Gurley versus Peterson. Two monsters as running backs, just unstoppable, have acceleration, burst, power, strength that you, you just don't see an average guy. Right now, I love the way the Rams are playing defensively and offensively. It's ugly, but they're just manufacturing things like the Panthers. You know, the receivers are kind of getting scrappy yards, and Gurley opens it up for Austin and Britt a little bit. But I think Zimmer, 
the coach in Minnesota, he's got something going. My boy, Stefan Diggs, will probably be a go. He practiced. And Diggs and Peterson got something going. And I think Teddy B is better than Nick Foles. Bridgewater's had an underrated season. He's starting to hook up with Kyle Rudolph. The Vikings defense, Anthony Barr from UCLA Ray, is all over the field and causing havoc. That kid is showing his talent. And funny, UCLA's got another linebacker that might be in the pros if he gets healthy next year doing the same thing in Miles Jack. But I think well, at the end of the that day, knee right. Yeah. Gotta get that knee right, yeah. But he got he's got that bar speed and talent, you know. And I think Minnesota wins a, a tough game. To me, Gurley and Peterson both get a hundred again and, and, and some touchdowns. But I say Minnesota squeaks one out. I'll say 27-23, the Vikings win at home in an interesting back-and-forth, exciting game. And I say AP just happens to do enough to get two touchdowns and buck 05 to get the uh, fantasy stud for me. I'm going to go the other way on that one. And I'm going to say that Minnesota is a little bit smoke and mirrors at 5-2. and two. I don't think they're that good. I think You're a hater. Okay. Hater. I'm not a hater. hater. You know, I love me some Adrian Peterson. Not sold on Steady B, a.k.a. Teddy Bridgewater. Uh, Stephon Diggs and Johnson and Wallace, you know, they're still question marks at the wide receiver position. Kyle Rudolph is underachieving for as talented as he is. He and Jordan Cameron need to be both much better than they are statistically yeah. In fantasy and in real life football, he he should be in a North Turner offense. You know, he should be Jay Novacek. I mean, there's no reason why. He's talented. He's gifted. He never boosted and he never shoplifted. So props to Jay and Special Ed. This kid <laughs> needs to get some, you know, get some wake, get a, get a wake up call. And I believe that Nick Foles is due for a good game. And there's a kid out there that I've disrespected. And his name is Tavon Austin. And this kid, mm-hmm. you know, Hank, one of our callers, and I were watching the draft together. And when he got drafted, we kept saying, you can't draft somebody 5'9 with the ninth or the eighth pick in the draft, especially not at, at the wide receiver position. Well, it turns out that he and Teddy Ginn, ironically enough, are both making a big impact this year. Now, would I still take him top ten in the draft? No way. But – this kid, they're finding a way to put him in space. And when Todd Gurley's getting all the attention that he does, and they have some speed at wide receiver, and they spread it out, they open the field for Tavon to do his thing. And when Tavon does his thing, watch out. So I think he is my – I think Gurley runs for 90, 95, maybe 100, but I think Tavon Austin, again, on not that many catches, maybe five, six catches – gets two touchdowns, and the Rams go into Minnesota and win, proving that they're a potential playoff team, 24-20. Okay. I think you still got feelings for Nick Foles from, I don't know if it's from Philly or Arizona, but maybe maybe (laughs) he'd be sneaking them Nick Foles props. So now we got to go to the Oakland Raiders at my Pittsburgh Steelers. This is definitely a throwback from the 70s when these teams used to meet all the time to 
to see in the Super Bowl era of the 70s who would get there, Stabler against Bradshaw. reception. Is I think the first game I can ever remember watching when I decided I was a Steeler fan, rooting against my dad with the Raiders. He was a Raider and Packer fan. So I got feelings for this game, and I got feelings for Ben Roethlisberger week two. I like this Raider team. I like Carr. I like the defense. I like Cooper, Murray. But I think Pittsburgh can outscore them. I think coming east, it does eventually affect teams from the west sometimes. And I think Pittsburgh, without Bell, they're going to rally. And they have Tay's guy, Brown Sugar Bay, D'Angelo Williams. And they also signed Isaiah Pete. But there's a guy named Dre Archer who can do a couple of things. A little scat back who reminds us of Eric Metcalf and has got that Tavon Austin speed who might surprise you and get some touches and some carries. I think overall the Steelers just have too many weapons. Now Charles Woodson playing safety is like got four or five interceptions and proving that he's a Hall of Famer playing out of his mind. But at the end of the day, I think the Steelers can score enough. And I'll say they actually put up a 30 burger and win 30 to 23 over the Raiders in a very entertaining game. And Antonio Brown, he's hard to guard. And Antonio Brown, ladies and gentlemen, he will be the one to jump on the fact that he cannot be guarded or defended at all. And I think he winds up getting basically 115, nine receptions and a touchdown. Antonio Brown, fantasy stud. Okay. I can't disagree with you. You know, I'm ready for your Steelers to get beaten at home, but I, I don't think the Raiders are ready. Uh, David Carr is having himself quite a nice sophomore season. Derek! Derek Carr, Jesus. I keep saying, because, you know, I got his brother on my mind. Derek Carr is having a quite a nice sophomore season, and that little trio of Latavius Murray, Aaron Cooper, and Derek Carr should be a nice little trio for years to come. And you know what? Good for them. Good for them for waiting, getting rid of, you know, some older players, starting fresh. So that's all fine and dandy. Their defense is actually playing better than it had in the years previous. They're showing more discipline. They're doing all the things that the Raiders haven't done recent in recent years but you know what big ben is back and because he's back he's got a chip on his shoulder he's got a team that is four and four still has a chance to win the super bowl in eric's mind in tay's mind <laughs> no, so not without bell. I, I can't say that without bell okay, i think we make right, the playoffs but that. i don't know if we can win the super bowl without bell but you know what though this is exactly what ben roethlisberger wants and needs to be wanted, to be needed, to come back, to have to throw the ball. You know, he and Todd Haley have had kind of their ups and downs. But you know what? They're going to say to him, Big Ben, you've got yourself a Bryant, you've got yourself a Wheaton, and you've got yourself an Antonio Brown. (laughs) So go make it happen. And I think Big Ben will. He looked a little off last week with the three interceptions. But you know what? He's going to do big things this week. I think he goes for 350, three touchdowns, and he's my offensive player, my fantasy stud. And I think the Pittsburgh Steelers win 27-24. 
Okay. Well, before we get to Denver and the coast, looks like we got a call. Let's see. Uh, Caller, hey, you with Ray and today? <laughs> Yo, guys, it's Brian here. What's going on? Long time no talk. What's going on? Hey, what's, what's going up, on? <laughs> Not so much. Brian's in hey, the house. Is, yeah, if uh, you're relying on Dre Archer to carry your team, you're in trouble. He was cut yesterday. <laughs> oh, well, listen, Isaiah Pete's still there. <laughs> don't, listen, don't, don't be a smart mouth. Isaiah Pete's still there. <sighs> I can't believe he's in the league, too. Yeah. <laughs> <Well. laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm glad I called in. I've finally got a chance to uh, put the kids so down. What's on your mind, man? You Talk to us. What are you, what are you thinking about uh, these games? And um, any any thoughts overall with the NFL Week Nine? You know, I mean, I was listening early to you guys as I was uh, getting in. Yeah, I can't disagree with much of what you guys said. Um, you know, I'm just. I know you guys both like Green Bay pretty big. One thing, if you take a look at Green Bay, though, they let up tons of yards running to the quarterback. Oh, yeah, no, I you like know, the game close. I like it very close. Yeah, I mean, I want I, – it's. I think at the end of the day, it's hard to bet against Rodgers losing twice. You know, at the end of the day, he doesn't lose back-to-back. But who can get open for him anymore? I mean, that's the issue. Lacey can't run. He's 40 pounds overweight. Starks is running well. He's hurt. Um, Cobb can't get opened because he doesn't have Jordy on the other side. Um, who else is going to Devontae. They need Devontae, baby. Devontae Adams and and and, the, and James Jones returning from exile. Yeah. Jo- let's be honest. And the, How many catches does Jones have in all of our touchdowns, right? It's, it, he's, he's not like going to be deep. Well, well, you know, it's Chris Carter at least had acrobatic skills. Jones has basically he posts up. That's what he does. He posts you up in the end zone and just – boxes you out. So you know what, you make you make great points. But here's here's my question though. Let let me flip the script on you and ask you on the Carolina side, how do they score? Especially against a pretty good Green Bay defense. No, you're and you you know what, uh, Ray, you made a great point saying if Green Bay jumps out big and they have to take away their running game, how are they gonna score? You know what? They're eight and zero. They're what? They're seven and zero now. I mean, um, yeah. mother. I mean, Cam Newton. Cam, listen, be honest. Cam Newton is a special human being. He's no. Cam Newton's a special human being. And you know, I give he, him props. You look at the stats. Yeah, you agree. I agree. You gotta give him props. You look at the stats. You know, his stats stink. But then you watch him. He's like, God, God the winner. Um, I don't know. In in Carolina, no less. That place is rocking nowadays. So, yeah. but um. Greasy guys on the Miami stuff. The only watch out, my own, you know, being my fantasy geek, looking at it, I'm, I have no clue what's going to happen with Watkins. Because if Watkins still doesn't play, because he left uh, practice early today, who knows what's going to happen. Here is my sleeper pick if he leaves early. Robert, Robert Woods. Yeah. Robert Woods. USC yeah. guy. Okay. Yeah. He's, he's solid. No, I think he'll do well. Hey, Brian, why don't you uh, stay on with us, and we're going to finish out the NFL these last two games. Denver at Indianapolis, this one to me, it's so sad because I I feel there's major dysfunction in the Colts, and it starts from the owner, you know, not to be critical of, of his personal life, but it starts from him in that situation down to Grigson, who doesn't know what he's doing. And then you go fire Pep Hamilton, who did great with Hasselbeck. So all of a sudden you fire him because Andrew Luck and 
he has no offensive line and the guy's trying to be superhero and does too much. That's not fair. I don't think it's Pep's fault, but somebody had to be a fall guy. I get it. At the end of the day, Manning goes in there. T.Y. Hilton's not playing. Moncrief is all alone and cleaner. The Colts, gonna, they're going to get embarrassed at home because the Denver defense is so legit. Andrew Luck will be good for maybe two touchdowns, and I think the Broncos wind up winning 27-17. And this is the beginning of the end of Indianapolis, probably firing a very good head coach, wrongly firing him, and really they need to get rid of the GM and, and, and maybe sell the team. That's my thoughts. Oh, and the fantasy stud will be Emmanuel Sanders getting healthier each week, maybe a touchdown and over 100 yards receiving. Wow. I think that this game is actually going to be much closer than you think. If this game were in Denver, I would probably agree with you, but I think in Indianapolis, you've got a chance for these Colts to actually win the game believe it or not, as crazy as that sounds, because Denver's not running away from anybody. So even though they're playing great defense, they're not scoring like they did last year and the year before so that everybody's still in the game. So even if Luck throws an interception or two, well, maybe two you can't recover from, but if he throws an <laughs> interception, he's still going to be in the game. And is T.Y. definitely out? Because he's listed as questionable. So, he missed all three days of practice this week, and no co-player after missing all three days of practice has played in the game. And even if he plays, he's so fragile and gentle, he might uh, might play a snap. You know snap what, though? But he, he's important because, you know, they only have those two corners, right? I mean, Harris and Tlaib are awesome, but you know what? You put them on Moncrief and uh, uh, Andre Johnson, but then you have T.Y., and then you have those two Pass-catching tight ends. They're going to you know, lock, lock him up. I, I think it's going to be a very close game. I actually agree with you. I think Denver's going to win, but I think they're going to squeak it out 24-23. And my player is going to be Ronnie Hillman. I think he's going to score a couple goal line touchdowns and take the burden off Peyton Manning. What do you think, Brian? What do you got for this game? Um... Well, you and I have spoken off the air, e, and uh, you know my MVP of the year is the Denver defense. I know you can't have a unit, but that defense has saved them so often. I just, I just don't see how, um, even at home, Indy does anything. I mean, Ty is in a walking boot still today, so it's going to yeah. be tough. And it's, I just don't see the running game. I mean, Gore is opening, I mean, the line's open holes for Gore. I think he's uh, moving the ball well, but um, unfortunately, that Denver defense is making Manning look good, and that's at the end of the day, and so I could definitely see where Ray thinks this is going to be a close game, and I can't disagree too much, just because I'm not sold on Manning, so um, but I think just the Denver defense is just that good to shut people down. But I'll say this, because you guys are kind of ripping him. He looked good off the bye, and be mindful, gentlemen. This is Peyton, and he's in Indianapolis. Going he home, needs, yeah. He needs 284, right, I think, to break Favre's all-time record. Best believe he gets it in Indy. Have no doubts that those receivers will catch everything for him, including screen passes to Hillman or whoever. It's going to happen. They're going to win a good one. So Sunday night football a game of the uglies, the NFC East, we should call it the NFC least this year. The Philadelphia, I don't really want to be good Eagles against the Dallas. 
I'm a hot mess Cowboys. Uh, Sunday night football. I'm surprised Sunday night football didn't try to, you know, get out of this game and say, hey, can we take the Panthers and uh, Packers or another game? But they kept it. At the end of the day, I'm going to say the Dallas defense is going to keep them in this game, but they have no shot because of Matt Castle. If it was Brandon Wheaton, I would actually say they have a shot. And I'm so sad that they will not win any games without Romo because I figured that they could. But they just couldn't. And Ray was right. He said they wouldn't. Des Bryant, yeah, he'll be back. But you know what? If you have nobody to get you the ball and distribute it, no, no CP3 at the point guard, it doesn't matter. And Castle is horrible. I think DeMarco Murray finally gets enough carries, and they feed him. You know, it's like Wu-Tang. Keep feeding him. Keep feeding him because he's at back at Dallas, and they want to show him something. The Eagles win this game. 20, I'll say 26-16, funny game. And my fantasy says DeMarco Murray, 95, two rushing touchdowns for DeMarco going back to Dallas to show them what they missed because that clown Joseph Randall was released. They should have never relied on anybody that steals Dracar, Noir, Cologne, and underwear. (laughs) Come on, man. Oh, my goodness. Remember way back when the Cowboys were – what uh game three I guess with when Des Bryant went down and I told you they wouldn't win a game if they don't have Bryant and Romo at least one of them but certainly both of them Cowboys are going to get blown out here I feel as if Matt Castle is hamstrung Brandon Whedon's not much better these guys can maybe win a game you know 14-13 the thing is the Philadelphia Eagles have been waiting, and DeMarco Murray's been waiting for this game all season, and I think they're going to let him loose. I agree with you that he's going to have a big game. I'll still go with Sam Bradford as my offensive player in this game and my fantasy guy, but I just don't see where the Cowboys can put up any points. I think if the Cowboys put up 17, they'll be happy. Des Bryant is probably at 80%, uh, but it doesn't matter because Matt Castle's throwing him the ball. McFadden, unless he, he still can run, he's still got speed, but... Not sure he can get more than 80 yards on the ground, and I just don't think Dallas has enough. I think Philly jumps on him early and often, and they they win 31-17. Okay. All right, Brian, what you think, man? Well, I mean, I can't disagree too much with you guys on that. My only thought is Philadelphia is dropping, I think, they're represent like 9% of total passes, I and mean, that's just you can't you kill drives left and right there. And Bradford's someone who needs to be in a groove, and dropping that many passes is going to be a big one. But on the other hand, the question is who's going to throw more picks, Bradford or Castle? Uh, <laughs> the only the only watch out I would have on this game is if you recall after the Dallas Philly game the first time, what was reported was Dallas was calling out what play was coming next from Philadelphia, hence how they shut down Murray and uh, Matthews. Um, so unless Philadelphia figure that out, it might be the same thing. But at the end of the day, I think Ray said it best. Uh, Dallas is just a hot mess. Yeah, yeah, and, no, it's, it's, and it's, it's unfortunate, unfortunate that they're fighting because I, I, I predict more fights. But I think they're going to be internal fights on the Cowboys sidelines because I think they're going to fall again. And this is a team that was what twelve and four last year. They probably thought of themselves as an elite team, and then they're going to wake up on Monday and be 2-6. and six. So there's going to be a lot of internal fighting with the Cowboys. 
You guess hey, the I, only I, I know you have to move it. Hey, I know you have to move along, and I don't want to slow you down. But got a question for you. What's your thoughts about Vernon Davis in Denver? What that's, what impact is that? Not this week. Maybe he gets like three catches, but I think it's replacing Julius Thomas. I think Vernon is going to be elated and be on his best behavior. And I think he still has top speed, and he's he's, he's elusive. He's a big tight end, but he's you know he can he's almost like a receiver. I think it's perfect, and this is going to actually help Denver probably get to the AFC Championship and maybe even the Super Bowl. I think Peyton is is is, is so lucky. That's an early Christmas gift for Peyton. Yeah, it was yeah, perfect. Yeah, right. What are your thoughts on that? I'm just I curious. think it's a win-win-win. You know, the, the even the Niners win because that was a marriage that needed to end one way or the other, and you're going to keep Kaepernick over Davis, right? So they win, and they didn't get much in return. Uh, Davis wins, and the Broncos win. So everybody wins, and you know what? He might be the difference when they go to or, or, or whoever comes to Denver. When they face, like we talked about, when they face – the Bengals, or they face the Patriots. Patriots yeah. You know what? To have Vernon Davis in addition to Emmanuel Sanders and uh, um, you know Demarius. that offense, and yeah, Demarius. and Demarius Thomas, and those two <laughs> running backs now that are starting to run a little better. That offense is going to pick up, and and if that defense just holds its ground and that offense picks up, then wow, Denver just got even better. Yeah, and, and I think the the big thing that no one's really talking about is Manning needs a running game as the season gets on and the weather gets colder. Well, yeah. I don't know how great of a block and tight end Owen Daniels. They had Virgil Green, but when you actually took, take a look at film and all that, Vernon Davis can be a beast on that end blocking. I yeah. think that's where you can see the big difference is that we'll get the running game going. So that was just curious. Well, remember. No, you're right, Brian. And, and remember, Kubiak is like a Harbaugh in that sense. They both love to do two or three tight ends offensively and do passing plays or running plays out of that, uh, you know, offensive lineup. So, you know, that really, Vernon has that versatility. And he's a big boy. And at the end of the day, Brian, he's a yo turn. He's a terror, baby. <laughs> you were really well to say that, day. weren't you? Just like digs. Yeah. I had to bring him up just to use the term. But I'll... Hey, guys, I'm going to let you get on. I suppose you guys up enough. I appreciate you taking my call, and uh, we'll chat more. I appreciate it. Go. Thanks, Great guys. Call. Thank, Thank you, Brian. Great to hear from you. Keep on calling back, Brian. <laughs> Absolutely, guys. Miss you later. Uh, All right. Later. Take care. Oh, that's great. Brian Brzezanski, baby. Listen, you talk about a football fan, and he's all about them Gators, even though he likes Penn State and the Terps. So we, we segue to that college football. Ray, we got to talk about it. What was your initial thoughts and feelings about the 12-man, not 13, because Hayden stepped off, 12-man committee? Do you like their top 25, their top four, their top 10? What would you think? You know what? I think you can pick at the details, but I think they got it right ultimately. And yeah. more than that, it's going to play itself out. You know, yeah. LSU's playing Alabama this week. Ohio State still has a couple good games in the Big Ten. They all have championship games. But in terms of a first crack, I thought they did just a fine job. You know, yeah, you might argue Alabama maybe doesn't deserve to be four, and, and I probably would have put LSU, a li- uh, sorry, TCU a little higher. 
But you know what? Giving Clemson number one, LSU number two, Ohio State number three, Alabama number four, no problems with any of that. So go committee. I thought I thought they did fine. I thought they were football yeah. people. I think every judgment that they made was rational. You know, Baylor didn't play anybody, so that's why they're six. Michigan State probably should have lost to Michigan. So to me, maybe they they dropped behind a couple other teams. You know, maybe Iowa's a little high at, at nine, but they're eight and no. Um, those Florida Gators are seven and one. Stanford is seven and one, but they're at eleven, along with Utah. Well, that maybe was the Stanford I was should be higher. That's the question that I have. Pac-12 didn't seem to get so much love. Eleven and twelve. Stanford is at eleven, and now look, they play Notre Dame, so that could wind up being a play-in for the playoff. And you know, down the line, Ole Miss—they control their own destiny. Florida is, you know, right there at at nine. I mean, at ten, but. There could be a situation where it all plays out that you're going to have that fourth team that it's a battle between, let's say, if it's Ole Miss beating out Bama and playing Florida in the SEC championship, would you take Bama over the SEC champion if they win out, Bama wins out but still doesn't get to play in the SEC championship, then versus the Notre Dame Stanford winner if they win out. So, you know, you know, obviously one of them has to lose that game. Do you know what I mean? So it could get really Yeah, tricky. and that's what somebody said that that, you know, you have a scenario where where what was it, three, four years ago where L S U lost in the S C C championship and then rematched against uh, Alabama lost to LSU and then rematched and beat LSU and it was the right call then and it may be the right call now because LSU if they even if Alabama runs the table, they don't control their own destiny, which is kind of crazy, yeah. right? They yeah. might not be, you know, <laughs> Ole Miss controls their own destiny. So I think that it's fine, though. I think that the committee did a fine job. And like I said, between November 7th and that weekend of November 27th, 28th, a lot is going to be settled on the field. And this 14 playoff is sort of insurance that we get the four best teams, but I think it's going to play out naturally. I really do. Yeah, no, it's going to be fun. And listen, it's one of those things where you realize Baylor, TCU, any other team, you, you got to schedule a little bit better in the beginning of the season. That non-conference does matter. Even some of the SEC teams, you know, because they get away with it only because their conference games are so – hard and the teams are so high ranked but they each play like two cupcakes early too but they don't get ripped for it because they're you know when they play in their conference everybody's so highly ranked they're so deep well this year their schedule for Baylor and TCU has been weak but at least they have Oklahoma and Oklahoma State so their schedule if they survive it one of those teams can it will bear out that they would deserve to get in the final four so let's pick pick these games for this week we got a couple of doozies. It's going to be um, a little bit fun. But listen, number one, Clemson, the Stars, they host number 16, Florida State. And, you know, I think uh, Ever Ghosted might get back at, at starting over um, McGuire. We'll see. At the end of the day, though, Ray, to me, it's all about Deshaun Watson. And I think he is the best two-way quarterback in college football, passing and running, even a little bit better than my boy Boykins at um, TCU. 
because uh, Watson's got a better arm, can throw the better, you know, throws a better ball. Right now, Clemson's defense is playing really well. And I think, you know, they've got this program, you know, that, that's got this program on fire. I think Clemson wins kind of big. They beat out their frustrations of losing to Florida State the last two years. And they remain number one. And they beat the, them, them Seminoles something bad. I say 34-21 Florida State over FSU. You mean Clemson over FSU? I'm sorry, Clemson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, you got to think to yourself, Florida is number 16 playing in the conference, and they're a 10-and-a-half-point underdog. So somebody's telling you something, and I think you hit it on the head, Deshaun Watson. And don't forget – about this running back, Wayne Gallman. He uh he's doing big things too. And what he does is offsets a little bit of that pressure on Watson. And again, we didn't know about Watson because Watson was coming back off the knee injury, but he's doing his thing. And down there in Clemson, it's a tough place to play. Ooh. I think like you say, Dabo Dabo Sweeney. He's a good coach. Uh, Very good coach, Ray. Yeah, did you see that? Like, if they win or if they go to the Final Four, he's gonna have like ten thousand pizzas or something like that. He's gonna give a free pizza to all the fans or something crazy like that. <laughs> I like, I like it. So I anyway, like I think Dalvin. Hey, but they gotta the watch boys. Cook in this game, Ray. Dalvin Cook is one of the best running backs in the nation too, from Florida State. Yeah, yes, he is. No, yes, he is. Eleven touchdowns over a thousand yards. He's doing big things. Uh, but I think ultimately Clemson at home is too much. I think they put up. Big points. I think they win 34-23. Now, you've got number eight, TCU, at number 14, Oklahoma State. And I don't know what the over-under is on points. I would assume it's got to be close to 100, (laughs) probably in the 80s or 90s. It's high. This is going to be a fascinating game. And this is Over-under, here it is, 77 and a half. Oof, I said close to 80. Okay. Uh, I'll take the over in that one, definitely. I'll definitely take the over. I think I love the Big 12. There isn't that much defense, but the offenses are legit. And, you know, in college football, sometimes just getting a stop or two could be the difference if you put that offensive pressure, which, oh, by the way, Baylor, they've already advanced. They won this week. And the freshman won't even throw for 419. Uh, Jarrett uh, Stidham, so give the kid props. Yeah, filled in. They barely won, but he filled, he filled in. Kansas State played tough, but they advanced, and that's all you got to do. I think Boykin in this game gets his name back in the Heisman conversation, and I think he's been steady and solid all season, but, you know, he's got to have one of those, you know, explosive games to keep up with Watson and and, you know, Fournette and, and, and Henry and those guys. And I think he has a game where he gets close to 100 yards rushing, throws for four touchdowns, no picks. I have TCU winning this game 45-41 over Oklahoma State. Now, listen, the Cowboys are legit, high-powered offense. They can pass. They can run it. I, I just – I just don't know if they can hold it down at home. So I'm going with TCU, 45-41, explosive, 86 points. I'm with you, I'm with you on that. Both of these teams are 8-0, 5-0 in the conference. The winner 
goes on to meet Baylor and challenge Baylor for the Big 12 championship, and the loser is probably going to a decent bowl game, but they're going to be out of it. So this is a big game for both teams. They both have cheesy, Swiss cheesy defenses, but they both have stellar offenses. TCU averages 600 plus yards a game. That's just outrageous. Yeah. And like you said, a one or two stops here and there, even though this game's in Stillwater, I like TCU. I like Trevon Boykin. I like his wide receiver. I like his offense. And uh, I think Josh ultimately, Dobson might be the best wide receiver in the country. <laughs> yeah, quietly speaking, he's he's playing himself into a lot of money, first-round pick potential. So this TCU team, I think, is going to put up 60. Uh, nah, maybe not 60. I'm going crazy. But let's say they put up 50, and Oklahoma State puts up 42. So I think it's a huge back-and-forth offensive game. Just TCU has too much firepower. Well, you've got number two, LSU, at number four, Alabama. Nine o'clock Eastern, CBS Sports. It's a classic SEC battle. These teams in the last 10 years have had so many matchups. You love Les Miles against Nick Saban. This has got NFL talent all over it from freshmen, sophomores, juniors, everywhere. The Fitzpatrick kid from Alabama on the defense. You got Fournette. You got Henry. Listen, Coker and, and Harris, the quarterbacks, they have got to not make mistakes. And whoever doesn't make the big mistake is probably going to win the game. Can LSU stop Henry and force Coker to do things he doesn't really feel comfortable doing? Can Alabama stop Fournette? and potentially turn over the young quarterback over there for Harris, Brandon Harris. You know, to me, I don't think you stop Henry or Fournette. So I think they both get off. I don't, and Bama's got the best defensive line probably in the country, and Fournette is a manimal. So I think they, they contain him. He gets 100. He's not getting no 200, no 150, maybe 98, maybe 100. But I think at the end of the day, Bama at home, at night, in the light, them Crimson Tide, they win this game and they drop the LSU. They keep their hopes alive for the title. Alabama wins a bruiser. I mean a bruiser. Could even be overtime, but it will be a field goal. 26-23, Bama beats LSU. Roll Tide. So you said you don't stop Fournette. I actually think this is the one team that can stop Fournette. I don't know that they shut him down completely, but I think they hold him to 90 or 100 yards, maybe well, one touchdown. I, I said he get. He ain't getting. I said he's not getting 150 or 200. Yeah, no, no. I think I think they they shut him down like he hasn't been shut down this year. This team at home against Tuscaloosa, you know, in Tuscaloosa, they can still defend. And I think Henry's a manimal and a beast on the other side. I think it's going to be a low-scoring game. But you know what? I think at the end of the day, LSU, this isn't one of their better defenses. I mean, Les Miles usually puts out some stellar defenses. and They're good, but they're not outstanding. I think that the Alabama defense, when they have – you know, everybody healthy and everybody schematically on the same page, they are an outstanding defense. So I pick Alabama at home in Tuscaloosa to win 
2316. 2316. So let me ask you this. Looking through some of these other games, do you see anywhere room for any upsets? Notre Dame at Pitt. Um, I don't know, maybe Michigan State, Nebraska. Just let me know if you see or do you think that we could see somebody going down that is not supposed to go down on the first Saturday or I guess the second Saturday in November? Uh, you know what? There are a couple out there, uh, but I'll give you one. How about that Michigan State team? You know, we keep saying they're not that good, they're not that good, they're lucky to be, you know, undefeated. They should have lost to Michigan, of course. And even in a couple of their wins, they've been a little shaky. And you know what? Nebraska used to be a really tough place to play. They're only 3-6. and six. And they're not playing great, but you know what? Let me pull up Michigan State's schedule right now. I'm going to tell you, I believe they might be looking ahead. Well, no, they're not, they got Ohio State in two weeks. Not, not two weeks. Next week they have Maryland. So that might be a game for you uh, to, to catch them <laughs> sleeping. But maybe they, go to, maybe they go to Lincoln and they sleep a little bit. You know, they, they're kind of, you know, they, they pulled away in the second half last week against against Indiana, but Indiana gave them a hard time in the first half. And, of course, they should have lost, we, we think, to that Michigan team. You know, they only beat Rutgers 31-24 the week before, barely beat Purdue 24-21 the week before that. So, you know what, for a 7-0 and team, they're not striking fear into anybody's heart. And I'm, I'll, say, I'll say upset alert in Lincoln, Nebraska. Well, I'm going to say it quick and simple, Indiana over Iowa. That's the one I'm looking at. You know, it's at Indiana. Iowa, to me, I feel like they're a little overrated in Indiana, a little slept on and underrated. They've almost had a couple of wins, and I think maybe this is the week they get one. So that's, that's kind of where I, I feel it could happen. So, Ray, let's keep it moving. Let's talk about some of the association some great games going on right now. We have two teams, 5-0, and and the Warriors and Raptors. I believe the Raptors, last I looked, they were winning tonight. And then you've got Brooklyn and the Lakers are playing, so one of them will finally win. The Sixers and uh, one other yeah, team. Yeah, Lakers are up five. Knicks are down <clears throat> nine. In, uh, both of those games are deep in the fourth quarter. And the Pelicans are the other team that's still on four. So maybe one one or two of those teams finally get a win tonight. Pelicans have to play Atlanta, so we'll see if they can beat Atlanta. But Yeah, they're down yeah, they're down twelve to Atlanta uh, with nine and a half minutes to go. They're so looking bad. You kinda wonder, right? I, I I'm loving Toronto and, and the Warriors. Wanna ask you real quick, how impressed with you with D Rose? Obviously, listen, Bulls and Thunder, that could have been a finals preview. D Rose showed me that there's still hope for the Bulls in the Eastern Conference. What did you think about that game and that victory with uh, D. Rose over the Thunder? I thought that game was huge, and I thought that game for D. Rose was huge, and I thought that game for Chicago was huge. Now, the problem is you're not going to get this every game from D. Rose, but I think they almost have to look at D. Rose like Dwayne Wade a couple years ago in that Mm. finals with LeBron. Give me two of those games. Exactly. Keep him healthy. Keep his minutes in check 
maybe sit him out, maybe he only plays 55, 60 games, because at this point you're really just shooting for Cleveland in June, or I guess that would be May, uh, late May, early June, in the Eastern Conference Finals. So just get me the number two seed, number one if you can get it, but uh, get me the number two seed, or even the three seed, because chances are Cleveland will be one or two, and just get me healthy to the playoffs. And you know what? Every two, three weeks, drop a 27, you know, six and seven, <laughs> just to let people know that you're still D-Rose. D-Rose. So I thought that was, that was an important game. Definitely important. I think it's interesting. Cleveland's looking pretty good. They got to get healthy. You know, teams are doing – how about T.J. McConnell for the Sixers, Ray? This kid is coming out of nowhere from U of A, getting the starting spot in Philly, leading, um, I think, rookies in assists and just kind of balling out. I mean, he's had a couple of assists with games with 12 assists. You should, you're kind of surprised by that? He's much better than D'Angelo Russell. <laughs> uh, very surprised. You know, he was a great college player, transferred from Pitt, did his thing in Arizona, playing with Sean Miller. I didn't know that he'd be anything really in the pros, but good for him. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm ecstatic to see that. So let's end with our segment. We haven't done this in a while. It used to be where you at Wednesdays. Now it's just where you at. Where Ray and Tay talk about an old team or player, really an old player, whatever the sport. We're focused on an NBA and kind of what they did and, and where they're at now. So Ray, I'm gonna let you go first, and then I'll finish it off. Who's your where you at guy? So I'm gonna go recent, and you're probably gonna go a little bit older. So my recent guy is Tracy Lamar McGrady. Remember Tracy? Got picked number nine overall, went to the Toronto Raptors, had a great few years with Toronto, then got paid, went to the Orlando Magic. He teamed up with Grant Hill. He was just doing big things. Then had another stretch with the Houston Rockets, and then injuries took over. Just to give you some of his stats real quick, because we're running out of time here, but but this dude, from 2000-2001 season, I'm just going to read you his point-per-game average and his rebounds, 27 and 7.5, and 26 and 7.5, 32-6.5, 28-6, 25.76.2, 24-6.5, 24-5, 21-5. That six-year stretch, seven-year stretch, Tracy McGrady was an all-star every year, led the league in scoring twice, and was just a man. Even in the playoffs when he lost, he was still averaging 33, 30, 31, 30. So for four straight years, he averaged over 30 a game. This guy was unbelievable. He tried his hand in baseball. He was that talented. Uh, Didn't really do much, but at least proved that he could be on a minor league roster. So he's got some some things going on, some business ventures off the court. He does a little bit of an appearance on uh, NBA, you know, on NBA TV. Um, You know, so we don't know quite what Tracy's going to do after, but we asked the question, Tracy, where you at? We haven't seen you enough, man. Where you at? You know, we know you've got – although I will say one thing about Tracy. He's involved in Darfur. You know, he's got this whole thing with Africa and some of the atrocities going on there. So you have seen Tracy put his, you know, his time, his money, his effort into that. But, tr- but Tracy, where you at? We want to see more Tracy McGrady. And he will be in the Hall of Fame shortly, Ray, so don't worry about that. My guy – 
a little bit not as famous. Went to Washington. He's a European, one of the earlier European years in the league. Detlef Shrimp, as we like to call him, Detlef on the Strength. You might not remember, but he averaged 13, really 14 a game, 13 9, 3.4 assists, 6.2 rebounds for his career. He played where Dallas, Indiana, Seattle, Portland. His best season, he was basically giving you 19 and 8 for the Indiana Pacers. You might remember him with Reggie Miller. Detlef Schremp, amazing. He's done some coaching with uh, helping the Germany Olympic team. He's got a company where he does uh, basically, you know, investments and financial improvements for a lot of former athletes. And he's worked with over 30 to 35, you know, former athletes in this company, helping them invest their money. Detlef Schremp also was involved with, I guess, a bunch of other NBA players doing an old school basketball game. It was really popular and they've you know, done that different places. So Detlef's around. He's doing a little bit of coaching. He's taking care of people financially. You like to see that 16 years in the league. He was a thorn for Knicks fans when he played with the Pacers from West Germany. Shout out to Detlef. He's 52. Detlef Shred, we miss you. Where you at, baby? Detlef was the Detlef. man. Detlef. Love me some Detlef. Yep. Remember, he was da- drafted by Dallas in the first round. Traded number for Herb eight. Williams, if I remember Yeah, number correctly. eight pick, man, back in 85. Wow. So that's great, man. You know, but remember, you, Detlef, just real quick, do you remember, he, he came over in high school, though. He's one of these guys that came over and I think spent one year in high school and then took his team to the high school championship. So his parents yeah. were like, okay, there's no pro basketball really to speak of in Germany. That's a little bit different these days. But he came over with his family and did his thing as a, in the Seattle area and then right. ended up going to University of uh, Washington. Almost like how Marcus Saul was in Memphis in high school because his brother was playing for the Grizzlies. You know, sometimes these guys go to high school here in America the last year or two and then uh, wind up going to college. So, it, it, look, it's great. And listen, Dirk Nowitzki, everybody else, they need to give props to Detlef Shrimp because Detlef was doing it big. Great show. We'll be back Monday. Look for great NBA games, a good NFL and college football weekend. This is uh, college football's weekend to shine with these big three matchups. Look for some upsets for Bama LSU, 9 o'clock. It doesn't get much better than that, Ray, on a Saturday night. So everybody enjoy. can't wait. Yep. Thanks for listening. Have a great sports weekend. Peace.